So the Earning the Push podcast is on the air, a podcast by wrestling fans for wrestling fans to talk about the things that we love, the current wrestling scene and what we would do if we were in charge. My name is Jack Murley. I'm a pro broadcaster and each and every week I will be joined by the Rosie to my Jamal, the Chavo Guerrero to my Kerwin White, our pro athlete, the one and only Charlie Beckett. Uh, how are you, man? How's it going? I'm very well, thank you. I thought you were going to refer to me as the Chavo to your Eddie then, which I was going to say, oh, that's, that's quite a quite a claim on your part. Uh, but no, Chavo to Kerwin White is, I'm not sure who I'd rather be. I'm back up in, um, in Liverpool this week, actually, back at home. I haven't had to wear my cap because there's no uh, light coming off my head this week. So that's good. But um, no, I'm very well, thanks. I'm very well. And it seems like every week we do this, there's just, I'm always like, oh, I'm always a little bit worried. Like, well, there'll be much to talk about next week. There's just so much going on in wrestling at the moment. There's always stuff to talk about. It was a very exciting weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, we're going to get into it. And as always, uh, fans, we want you getting in touch. Uh, at Jack underscore Murley is me. He is at Charlie underscore Beckett. Earning the Push podcast at hotmail.com is where you can write to. Our final part of fantasy booking of the resurrection of Bray Wyatt. Some interesting entries on this from James and from Emma. Uh, Charlie He's got his one for us as well. Uh, But we have to kick off, unless you disagree, and I don't think you are going to disagree, uh, with Double or Nothing. Daily's Place sold out about £5,000 there for AEW's latest pay-per-view offering. I won't tell you what I think, except to say I've got written down fans, 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 fans. And for me, that's what it was about. They absolutely stole the show. And sometimes wrestling fans steal the show in the worst possible way. But this time it was just because... So good to have people back. I've spoken on the podcast before about I've been looking up to play in front of fans again recently. I've been looking up to be at live sports. I was again this weekend at the Women's Premiership Final. And you just see across the board, you see Joe Marlow in rugby interview this week talking about how much the, he didn't realise how much the fans meant to him until they were gone. I think we've probably realised this and obviously touch wood, uh, hopefully there's no more spikes than that. And we are on the, we're very much on our way to fans just coming back and getting to full capacity over here as well. Because I know obviously they were at Daly's Place, but it's just, they were just... It was brilliant, wasn't it? And then to hear them singing Wild Thing, to hear them singing Judas, like those are excellent theme tunes we sung along. It was, yeah, it just, I, I was watching it and I almost wasn't really bothered about what the wrestling was like. I was just smiling. It was just so great to see a packed out arena fans go mad for some wrestling again. I think about two or three times I stopped an entrance, went back, streamed the entrance again and again and again. There's something visceral about having people popping for moves, cheering, booing, and and yeah, even a stinker of a pay-per-view. You could put out December to Dismember from ECW from back in the day. In front of this crowd, it would have looked like the best WrestleMania ever. But in fairness to AEW, it was a hell of a night as well. We, we spoke last week about how there maybe wasn't quite the hype around this as there has been previous AEW pay-per-views and how that might help. And I think it absolutely did. But also, if there had been the hype, I think the majority of the matches delivered, we spoke off air about maybe the one thing you could angle against was it was a little bit too long. It did go quite a long time. But that was my main complaint. Like That was my, sorry, my only real complaint. The other thing is, I think, Stadium Stampede maybe didn't translate quite as well as last year because a lot of it was watched on screens, which I think when you're at a live wrestling, especially in the current climate, I want to see it right in front of me. Stadium Stampede's great, but I think last year it was kind of lightning in a bottle with how it was the only way we could watch any sort of live wrestling. But apart from that, the, the triple threat match I spoke last week saying, I think this could be a real like low-key, absolute show stealing. It was unbelievable. And that I'm a huge one for visuals in wrestling. That visual of Kenny Omega coming out of the tunnel to start with all his belts, just looking like the absolute man. I was like, 
you could bring someone who doesn't know anything about wrestling, doesn't know a thing about it, show him that vision of Kenny Omega, show her that vision of Kenny Omega, and they will know he is to be taken seriously. He is the man in this company. I, I just love that. And for some people, and this is a point Andrew makes, he says, I really enjoyed uh, AWW Double or Nothing. Lots to love. I need to mention uh, the buy-in show because Serena Deeb was great. And how great was it to hear Eddie Kingston getting that sort of reaction? We can't forget that for Kingston, for Matt Hardy, for some of the newer talent that Tony Khan has brought in, they've never performed in front of an AEW crowd. They've been waiting 14 months for, for, to, to get any sort of reaction. I appreciate they've got the, the, the wrestlers around the ring and, and they've had some noise, but this is on a different scale for them. And you really got a sense of who was over with the crowd. Yeah, you did. That, that's so great. So you get a sense from social media, you get a sense from all sorts of reactions online, but you don't, there's nothing like hearing that pop or that lack of pop sometimes from a crowd to let you know as a performer, as a owner, what, what the fans are after, what they're enjoying. It was, um, it was great to see. And like you say about new talents of like Jungle Boy winning the Battle Royale, like there's, there's someone I didn't see coming that they're going to push now, which is great. And the way it was done with Christian at the end was just so, so clever. I thought like, that's how to use, a veteran to give someone the rubber. As much as I would have loved Christian to win it, because I'm a big Christian fan, it was just it just made sense. It was just sensible booking, wasn't it? Of the veteran who's been there, done it, it's going to give the rub to the new guy, put him over. And, he, and do I think Jungle Boy is going to go and beat Kenny Omega for the title? Do a heck. But the fact that he's in that main event scene now automatically gives him credibility, and he's earned his way there through beating someone like Christian. There's credibility to Jungle Boy that he hasn't had before. So here's my question. Given, I think it was only last week, actually, when we were talking about Bray Wyatt, uh, you said that uh, Goldberg is your least favourite wrestler because of, as a veteran, he comes back and sort of bigfoots all, all the younger talent. I think that's a fair summary of how you feel. Why is it that AEW is so much better at using veterans and WWE? Because if you just take a look at this card alone, Christian Cage and Matt Hardy in the Battle Royale, both of them working with younger talent. Sting goes in there with three young talents, uh, Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky, and Darby Allen, and, and gives them all the rub. Chris Jericho has been working with Sammy Guevara, uh, MJF, and Orange Cassidy before that, um, and then Adam Page even beyond that again. None of those veteran talents, for me, feel like they're taking the spotlight from the young wrestlers. How is AEW getting it right and WWE isn't? All the people you've mentioned there at AEW are, they're not one-time attractions. They don't come for one match and then bugger off again. Like you look when Goldberg comes back, he comes back for one match and he disappears. I've had my issues with Brock Lesnar in the past. He comes back for one match. He comes, when Brock Lesnar is in WWE for a period of time, I'm a huge Brock Lesnar fan. When he turns up, beats someone and then goes away for three months, I've got no time for him. I think it's about like all the guys you mentioned there, they're there, even if it's not week in, week out, they're there consistently working with the same talent. So if they do win a match, you don't for a second think that it's the end of the story, it's the end of the booking, that the, the younger talent can't get the win back. And because it's long-term storytelling, I think the younger talent get the best fit. Whereas when Goldberg comes in, wins the title, isn't seen for two months, defends the title, that doesn't do anything for anyone. It discredits the title, it discredits the people he's beating. I think that's where AEW are getting it a lot more right with their returning veterans than WWE are. And they've added another veteran to their ranks with Mark Henry, the world's strongest man signing for AEW. What I thought was really smart here, and maybe it was intentional, maybe it wasn't, but I suspect it was, is there was no hype 
beforehand that someone's going to turn up. So you couldn't miss the expectation. And I, I stayed off social media. I avoided spy spoilers. It was a great surprise that. Yeah, I think they've learned from how badly it went with Christian. And that was so unfair to Christian because if there's been no huge hype, the world would have gone mad for Christian. Yeah. But the hype they gave it, we were expecting the Undertaker to come out of retirement and go to AEW, do you know what I mean? So I think that was clever from them. Just keep it quiet and just give us the nice surprise. And I got a lot of time for Mark Henry. I'm a big he's His um, Hall of Pain run is one of my favourite runs of a dominant heel champion ever. So I've got a lot of time for Mark Henry. Also seems if you watch anyone interviewed by him with him, anyone talk about him in interviews, he just seems like one of the most respected and well-liked men and knowledgeable men in the industry. So I think he's a great get for AEW. Ryan says uh, NXT is good, but I think AEW is blowing the uh, WWE main roster out of the water. In fact, I think the bubble has burst on the main roster. Big names have gone and the talent that is there doesn't bring the entertainment in the way they used to. AEW has taken the WWE's best and he's using them to shine a spotlight on them in a way that WWE didn't. That's Ryan tweeting to us. It is strange that we're sitting here off the back of Double or Nothing, and I don't really care about what's happened on Raw as we record last night, and I'm not too excited about what's coming down the line on SmackDown. AEW does seem to be the company with the buzz. Absolutely. I would completely agree with Ryan when it comes to Raw. I checked what happened on Raw this morning, and I looked at it, I was like, there's actually precisely nothing I want to talk about from Raw last night, which is pretty damning indictment on that show. I, I'm, I really enjoy SmackDown, but Raw... Raw is really, really in trouble at the moment. Um, it's just got nothing interesting, has it really? Like, they've got a heel champion with no credible faces to face to challenge him. Like, they're going with Drew again. Now, Drew and Bobby will have a great match. I love Drew. I'm a, I like Bobby Lashley. But we've seen that match three or four times now. And there's just no, there's no one to challenge him. So that's one of the many problems with Raw. And, you know, if we did a podcast about the problems with Raw, we'd be here until next Tuesday. So I'd rather talk about the things that I'm really enjoying, which was double or nothing. But yeah, Raw's not in a good place, mate. My view is, and I think this is where AEW, this might tap into what Ryan and others are saying. If I watch AEW, I don't necessarily know everything that's going to happen. I don't know the production angles they're going to take. I don't know who's going to be facing who. I don't know the storylines they're going to come up with. I wouldn't have anticipated the inner circle rappelling down from the top of the scoreboard or Mark Henry randomly showing up or maybe doing a slightly back-to-front battle royale. If I watch Monday Night Raw, I know the production. I know the format. I know how slick it's going to look. And I think almost there's an argument that WWE is too polished. It's too predictable, not just in storylines, but I know every angle, how it'll be shot, what they're going to say. There's no spark there for me. It's a wrestling show by numbers That's almost. It. Like, you know the format, and it's the same each week. And I could pretty much, we could sit here. If we sat here now and booked what we thought Raw would be next Monday, I reckon we would get about 70% right. And that's that's the issue. Yeah, I, I think you're right, because you're going to get a Miz TV. You're going to get Drew McIntyre having a long main event with someone. You're going to get Charlotte coming out and cutting a promo. Um, If you disagree with us, um, and we're by no means knocking WWE, because there's lots we do enjoy. We talk about NXT and SmackDown a lot. Uh, get in touch, earning the push podcast at hotmail.com. Jack underscore Murley is me. He's Charlie underscore Beckett. Part two, we're fantasy booking the resurrection of Bray Wyatt. Um, We should say, Adnan Verk, we barely knew ye, because after... 
a couple, three weeks in the role. He's uh, decided to move on to pastures new. They brought in former MMA announcer Jimmy Smith to take over the commentary position. Talk about setting someone up to fail, though, Charlie. Goodness me. We spoke about it off air, didn't we? Because we were uh, waxed lyrical about Pat McAfee. Adam Verk, he's a sport. He's a, he is a top, top tier sports broadcast. He's a top sports commentator. He doesn't know anything about wrestling. He hasn't got any combat sports background. So to throw him into what seems to be one of the toughest commentary gigs in sports, sports entertainment, with Vince McMahon barking down your ear for three hours, how was he ever going to succeed? How was he ever going to do it? So I feel for him, I think it's probably a good move for him that he got out of there early before his reputation was properly tarnished by it. I think he was, did he do four roles, three roles, genuinely something short like that, less than a month. It will all just be forgotten that he was ever there really, won't it? I think definitely the right move for everyone. I'm glad they didn't drag it out. Feel for him because it was never going to work. But also, I don't understand why he took it because I think anyone could have seen that it wasn't going to work. I think it's a bit like taking me and saying, right, Jack, you've watched a bit of rugby. You you know a bit about rugby. You're scrum half. In you go. You you wouldn't know what to do and you couldn't blame him. Um, And by all accounts, we hope Jimmy Smith does better. And Adnan Burke, from what everyone says, is is a nice guy, round peg, square hole situation. Uh, Before we we head to part two, do you want to give me your usual Roman Reigns soliloquy? Because I was... um, I was I was watching a backstage promo on SmackDown where Roman Reigns is there with his arms crossed, just looking at Jey Uso and paraphrasing, going, "Do you really want to go back with your brother?" And I yeah. thought, "You're you're you're unrecognizable from the character you were a year ago." Before we go to there, I just want to—it's not normally me giving AEW shout-outs because it's more your um, yeah. your uh, company. Britt Baker is an absolute star, and they built her brilliantly. And how good did Sting look? Back in a ring. <laughs> Sting, he's 62. He's 62 years old. He's doing that. That's all I want to say. That's all. And you know what? It shows that WWE dropped the ball when they had Sting six years ago. I know he got injured in that match with Steph Rollins, but they dropped the ball there because Sting can still go in the right circumstances if we didn't see it in WWE properly. And we waited a long time for him to come to WWE. And yeah, they definitely dropped the ball for me there. But that, that's all I wanted to say on that. I don't know if you wanted to say about Brit and Sting before I go on Roman. I'd like to just mention, uh, he didn't drop the ball, but Ethan Page dropped Darby Allen square into the lap of the fans outside. I mean, goodness me, you talk about the unexpected. Just to, I know he's not a huge man. He's probably about my size. Yeah. So, uh, But to see him launch through the air by Ethan Page, I mean, just I, yeah, it was just a cracking night. You, you could pick a different angle all the time. You could say how much... Adam Page was great. You could say how I love the turn of Brian Cage and, and I love Team Towns on commentary. I thought the commentary team had a brilliant night. I was so happy for Jim Ross, my personal hero, who had a bit of problems with his voice the last time out. He was as good as I've heard him in years. So, yeah, I, I think we've done that thoroughly. Give me some Roman Reigns love. Oh, that backstage promo where he's with Jay and he's just, he's kind of talking but not looking at him proper like Godfather-esque. And he just said, because it's been announced that Jay's tagging with Jimmy later that night. I'm over the moon to see, because I think the Usos are one of the best tag teams in the history of WWE and so underrated, like criminally underrated. But when he goes, you want to go back to being, which one's he? I was like, oh, oh, because that would get you. Because yes, they are. They are underrated. And because they're identical twins, you don't really always know which one's which in the ring. And that's, you can be forgiven for that. But to go from being main event J to which one's he? Oh, oh, I was like, oh, that would get me. I, I would be questioning that. But I'm actually very excited to see them go against the Mysterios this weekend. 
Mm. Uh, sorry, this Friday, because then that'll be a great match. And I'm interested which way they go, because I want to see the Mysterios have a run with the titles. I think it's such a great story. I want to see them in front of crowds. But I also want to see Roman and the Usos dripped in gold. I want to see that as well. I kind of now, I'm like, come on, Jimmy, get in line. Come on, fall in line now, Jimmy, because we haven't seen much of that story last few weeks. So I'm intrigued to see where they go with that. But yeah, that Roman Reigns backstage scene where he's got just all the Godfather essence about him. Like, ah, you're just... You sounded uncannily like a shepherd there going, come on, Jimmy, come on, fall in line. Come on now, Jimmy. Come by, come by, boy. <laughs> I had flashbacks to like Dales with someone with a crook stick and his sheep rounding them up. Um, okay, I'll put my money where my mouth is. If if I was booking WWE, uh, which will be part two, which we'll be doing in a minute, I, I would suspect that Jimmy Uso is going to, in some way, cost them that match against the Mysterios. And we're going to get Roman Reigns looking at Jay and saying, told you so. You should listen to me more, and that's what that's yeah. what that's what I think they'll do. Yeah, I could absolutely see that, and yeah, I'm happy with that. And just see Roman pulling the strings, just keep pulling the strings, Roman. And the frustration is, this is a year ago. It wasn't even SummerSlam time. I don't think we were ever talking about the possibility of this version of Roman Reigns. It shows what WWE can do in a year with the right booking. Speaking of which, we're going to do some booking of our own here on the Earning the Push podcast. Remember, you can get in touch, Earning the Push podcast at hotmail.com. Jack underscore Merley, Charlie underscore Beckett. Do not go any. Anywhere because coming up after the break, part two of our fantasy booking of the resurrection of Bray Wyatt. So stick around. Okay, we are back. We are on the air. Earning the Push podcast is here. Jack Murley and Charlie Beckett. By the way, thank you to each and every one of you who's uh, subscribing, rating, reviewing, sharing a bit of love on social media. That is how we grow. That's how this program gets bigger and bigger. Uh, So thank you for doing that for us. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, Part two of the program is always about fantasy booking. Uh, We took Charlie by surprise a couple of weeks back by saying we'd be doing the resurrection of Bray Wyatt. Last week, we did what I would be doing. People have struggled with this this week, but we do have a couple of short and sweet suggestions. One from James, one from Emma P, both on Twitter. Uh, But first, Charlie, you said last week after hearing mine, you were going to go in a very different direction. So I'm all ears. Tell me how you would book the resurrection of Bray Wyatt. I've struggled with this one. I won't lie as well, because there's just so much to unpack with Bray, isn't there? There's so much. And what, yeah, how would you do it? So I've gone a pretty different way from you. And overarching idea to mine is that Bray Wyatt actually is a normal man, but he is under the influence of Sister Abigail, who is Alexa Bliss. And this story is how Bray Wyatt frees himself of the influence of Sister Abigail. We get a Firefly Funhouse and we get the theme tune and in walks Bray as child entertainer Bray. And he does some weird promo about it. But the gist of the promo is, it's time for him to break out. It's time for him to be the man he really is and not who Sister Abigail wants him to be. All these years, she's been controlling him. Sister Abigail's been the one making him do these awful things. And at SummerSlam, he's going to break out because it's Bray Wyatt versus Sister Abigail in a Firefly Funhouse match. So over the next few weeks, we have a few vignettes of Alexa Bliss as Sister Abigail just saying, Bray, you think this is what you want, but it's not. Don't, don't do this. Don't do this. You're forgetting how much you need me. I'll remind you in the funhouse. In the funhouse, I will remind you exactly how much you need me. We're set to be together forever because without me, you are nothing. So the gist of it going into it is Bray wants out. 
Alexa Bliss is like, you are nothing without me. So in we go to the Funhouse. It starts, and of course, it's not a match because we've seen one Firefly Funhouse match and it's not a match. It's sort of a long video package, isn't it? Uh, it's all supernatural. It's a run back through everything you need to. They did it with John Cena at WrestleMania, so I'm going to do it with Bray's career, essentially, here at SummerSlam. So in we come, and Bray starts with talking about how much happier he was in his life before, uh, before Sister Abigail became part of it. And in this, I want VT of a young Bray Wyatt and Bo Dallas wrestling in their garden together, being kids, having fun together, and, and really lean into we were a WWE family, talk about Blackjack Mulligan, talk about I was coming into this industry to be my own person, and then Sister Abigail got, got into me, and that's what made me this evil man. So then Alexa Bliss comes in as Sister Abigail and says, you think you were happy, but you came to this industry as your own person. You were nothing without me. And suddenly up flickers Husky Harris. And we see him in NXT struggling to get a foothold. We see him not really doing much, that he's really stuttering. And she says, I made you. Without me, there is no Bray Wyatt. And look what Bray Wyatt achieved. And then you have clips of him winning the WWE title, winning the Universal title, winning the tag title, having his followers. She said, I gave you success. I gave you your followers. I gave you fans. Show at WrestleMania where, all, where everyone's got their lights out as he's walking with his fireflies. Show all this, really lean into the fact that you've had a successful WWE career and it's because of me that you've won these titles. Husky Harris was doing nothing. Bray Wyatt did all this. And Bray almost, almost falls for it. But eventually he snaps out and says, I need to go back to who I am. And Alexa Bliss just says, okay, well, I'm willing to let you go, but I'm not sure he is. And that's where we now are going into Bray Wyatt versus The Fiend. In this funhouse match that you have Bray one side and you have Bray as the Fiend the other. I don't know how you do this, but WWE are very good at all this creative stuff. They will work it out, I'm sure. And what we now find out is that the whole time, it's his sister Abigail who created and controlled the Fiend. She's been controlled this whole time. They're suddenly in a wrestling ring. Not, I don't want them in the ring at SummerSlam. I want it all on the screen. But suddenly we're in a ring. I'm a bit like him and Cena were in the dark in the original Firefly Funhouse match. And The Fiend and Bray Wyatt are wrestling. And they have five, five minutes of wrestling. And eventually, Bray defeats him with a running senton, which was Husky Harris's finisher in NXT. And as he's pinning The Fiend, suddenly The Fiend like, magically transforms into Alexa Bliss getting pinned. He gets the one, two, three. And as he gets the one, two, three, the darkness lifts and it just gets lighter and lighter and lighter. And you see the funhouse world evaporate around him. And... The light, it just goes like completely the screen to white, a huge white light. And as the white light descends again, there's Bray Wyatt just dressed as a normal man, completely normal man in his normal clothes. And he just says, hi, I'm Wyndham Rotunda. It's good to finally meet you. And then you've got a clean slate for Bray Wyatt. And what you want to do with him next, well, with Wyndham Rotunda is up to you because there is a great wrestler, there is a great sports entertainer in there but I'm completely getting rid of the Bray Wyatt character because I think he's I think he's beyond being saved now. There's too much weird backstory. So my idea is that the only reason he was ever there was because of Sister Abigail. He's broken free of Sister Abigail and now he's just a normal man, just a normal wrestler. And that's what I'd do. Oh, I like it. I like it a lot. That is excellent. Um, wow. Okay. Here's something really interesting is you are not the only one to say you cannot resurrect Bray Wyatt. 
Emma on Twitter says, hi, Jack. Hi, Charlie. You can't resurrect Bray Wyatt because the brand slash gimmick is too damaged. He needs a complete do-over. Bray Wyatt could be to him what fake Diesel is to Kane, an old unsuccessful gimmick before he discovers the person he's really meant to be that WWE can push to the moon. It is not a knock on the man who plays Bray, but sometimes a gimmick is beyond repair. So you are not the only one thinking that way. That's a very clever way to get rid of all the supernatural around him. Well, I just think the whole thing that's fascinated me for a long time with Bray that's kept me coming back is the whole Sister Abigail thing. And Alexa Bliss is just unbelievable. Like, like, I, don't, I don't know if it's actually ever been confirmed on screen that she is Sister Abigail. She, but she has this control over him, the fiend, that it just makes sense. So she's brilliant in it. And where she will go from that, I don't know. But Alexa Bliss is, isn't a problem. You could bring her back happily. But I just thought the Firefly Funhouse match with Cena, I enjoyed so much. And there is no law to that. You can do what you want with it. I thought that's the best way to just clean the slate. And he is a great wrestler. And to say Bray Wyatt hasn't been a success, I think is harsh because... He's been one of the most interesting characters at times for the last seven, eight years. He just, they've never really reached the probably great heights when they should have. And the name and character of Bray Wyatt, I think now is tarnished because of it. And I think to give the man Wyndham Rotunda a fair crack, you've got to give him something new. Does it also show how hard it is to get supernatural, spooky, otherworldly booking right? because I think the consensus from most people is we love Bray and then WWE took it too far. It went one step beyond. I don't think anyone realistically would say they ever did that with Undertaker or Kane. So it's not like it's impossible to do, but the consensus seems to be with Bray Wyatt. It was great. And then it came back around the other side and became a bit cringeworthy, right? Yeah. And I think the thing that hurts Bray is he's been a supernatural character in the internet age where, especially Undertaker, when he started, kayfabe was much easier to keep because People didn't have phones with cameras everywhere. There wasn't the internet. There wasn't everything. So actually, by the time that came around, the world kind of knew, yes, of course, he's not a half-dead zombie, but we love him for it anyway. We're not going to debunk it. Whereas with Bray, he's been around the social media side. Like All it takes is one picture on someone's Instagram of him with his family, and you know he's not this cult leader. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's hurting massive. I think just in general, spooky, supernatural characters are hard to do well now, but it's almost... Look at what's happened to Alistair Black. Like you kind of watch it, you're like, I know you go home and you're married to Selena Vega and have a nice life. Like I can't. I'm struggling to buy into all this supernatural stuff you're on about because I know that's not you. I mean, how how does Alistair Black get his groceries? You know, how how does he all that type of thing that in the in the in the past you wouldn't have thought. I love that booking. Um, we're going to you're going to set our our new fancy topic in a moment or two. Before that, let's just do this from James. He says, "Hi, gents. I'm enjoying the podcast, but like Charlie, struggled with the idea of how to bring Bray back." If it's me, I go for a 2021 equivalent of the Ministry of Darkness crossed with a touch of the Straight Edge Society. Each week, have him recruit an underused, underutilized wrestler, maybe someone like Ali or someone, and create a cult-like following around him. You can use that to have him build a rival power base uh, to Roman Reigns and the Usos and then have them clash at SummerSlam or Survivor Series. You can even have Bray's minions help him win the Royal Rumble. I hope you like the idea. Keep up the good work. That's from James. Um, so that's a, a, a different take where the supernatural cultiness is still embraced, I guess. Yeah, I, I always enjoyed cult leader Bray. I think with that one, you're going to get people behind it because it's bringing underused talent. If you bring someone like Ali, Ricochet, those sorts of people and give them a platform where then people are going to get behind that. So 
I absolutely see it. I think that's a really good idea. And like you say, there's less supernatural in it, more just we're underused wrestlers who haven't achieved what we should. Let's band together and do something really good. So I like that idea, actually, yes. Yeah, you, you've got to get that right, because there's probably a cigarette paper between that and retribution in terms of what you end yes, up getting. But yes, we, yeah. we, 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 we trust James's judgment enough to get that right. Um, so look, tell us what you think of the fancy booking at Jack underscore Murley, at Charlie underscore Beckett, earning the push podcast at hotmail.com as well. That's earning the push podcast at hotmail.com. You'll need those for next week. I don't know what we're going to be booking next week, but Charlie Beckett, he's like the old taskmaster from WCW. He's the man in the know. What have we got? next week next week jack we are booking how you would end roman reigns universal title reign oh well that's going to be interesting given for the length of this podcast we've sat here going we don't know how you're going to end it how we would end roman reigns universal title reign Okay, I got some ideas percolating. Do you know what you're going to do for it? I've got a rough idea, but I think it's a real issue WWE have got. And we've spoken about it before because they've booked him so strongly that how do you do it? And also, how does his character recover from that loss is a big thing for me. How does he recover from that? So I have a few ideas. I've changed a few times in what I want to do because there's two things I'd really like to see. and I don't know which one to go with. But yes, I think that could be a fun one. I'm not going to come on and say, nope, wouldn't do it and let him have it forever. I promise you I am going to actually book some sort of loss for him. Okay, well, that's interesting because I know that will pain you at the moment. Well, look, uh, that's going to be, if nothing else, a reason to listen next week. Uh, How you would end Roman Reigns' universal title run. Earning the Push podcast at hotmail.com. Do not go anywhere. Final part of the show coming up. We're sending something from everyday life back to developmental and something is getting a push, so do not miss it. Okie doke, final part of the show is where we simmer ourselves down and we remember that as much as we are wrestling fans and love wrestling, we are part of one wider community. There's so much more to life than wrestling, but we like to use wrestling terminology to talk about what we love and deserves a push and what we hate and needs to go back to developmental. Uh, Charlie, we should say last week earning the push for you was women's sport and the premiership final and we need to send congratulations to the Beckett family, a successful outing this weekend, no? Yes, uh, Harlequins women, uh, who my sister Sarah plays for, won an absolutely brilliant game of rugby that I was very fortunate to be at. Uh, and yes, just a really, really great day. I'd be a, um, if anyone sees my Instagram or Twitter, you can see the massive smile on my face with a picture with her and my dad with the trophy after. Uh, yeah, just a really, really special day for family uh, and very, very, very proud big brother moment. Yeah, and we should say as well, our own Charlie Beckett wrapped up his season uh, with a try, I think I'm right in saying. I I, I commented on you at Jersey for about 14 months, maybe a little bit less. I don't think I ever saw you score a try, but you got one this past weekend. Me scoring a try is as rare as a whole crowd leaving a pay-per-view happy. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so it happens once every 25 years or so. So, uh, no, I scored a try. I reckon it was from a mass distance of 12 centimetres. So one that will be remembered for years to come, I'm sure. They all count. They all count. Hey, um, look, why don't you go first with what is earning the push for you this week? What's earning the push for you? Earn the push is a man who I became aware of yesterday. I don't know if you saw his social media. He's called Luke Akins. Did you see what he did this week? No, no, no. Luke Akins this week broke the world record for the highest skydive without a parachute. Oh, now I saw the video. I didn't know the name, but he, oh my he, God. He jumped out of a plane 
7,620 meters in the air. He was falling for two minutes and 15 seconds and he didn't have a parachute and he didn't die. And if that's not something that's worthy of earning the push, I don't know what is. The trouble is Shane McMahon will have seen that and he's already thinking, I can go higher. He's thinking, can... thinking 7,621. That's what Shane's <laughs> thinking. He's going to do it a backlash onto a big show uh, dummy. Like, that, yes. I saw the video and, and the most sensational thing about it is you'd think there'd be a technical way of stopping him. But from what I can figure out, they've got a large piece of netting that he big net, big net. just pummels into and then if bounces he, back. If he misses that, dead. Just dead if he misses that. If like a bit of wind gets him. So yeah. Fair play, Luke Akins. I'm sure you're very excited and there's a lot of reasons for doing it, but the main thing you'll be happy about now is you've earned the push from me doing yeah. it. So well done, sir. Well done. Do you remember that Felix Baumgartner guy, I think, who dived from the edge of space? space didn't he? Yeah. I, I don't know why. You know, you sometimes go down a YouTube rabbit hole and I was watching the video of that the other day. <laughs> and You've got the people on the ground going, you're doing great, Felix. You're doing great. And then you go to the helmet of him going... I'm going to black out and he's just yeah. spinning and spinning. And you think, I, I, look, I, you're a more manlier man than me, but these, these blokes are wired differently, are they not? Yeah, like, I like a little bit of adrenaline. I don't want to put myself in positions that I likely might die, which I, I, you know what? I don't think makes me a coward. I think it makes me a sensible human being. I, I think so as well. Well, look, mine's not going to compare to that. Uh, I'm giving the push to all the vaccinators in the UK at the moment, because on uh, Sunday I went to get my vaccine uh, uh, and it was absolute clockwork. It was an absolute dream. Turned up early, got me in, registered me, got the jab, had a chat with my nurse about Spurs because he was a Spurs fan. 15 minutes sat in the tent out the other side. It was just such a credit to the people on the ground who a year ago wouldn't have any any of the logistics to this so i'm giving a push to all the vaccinators uh, my arm is a bit sore it feels like i've taken a a, a chop from walter or something on the tricep and so uh they're getting a push i'm sending back to developmental bad parking okay yeah 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 now I, yes. I live in Cornwall and we have a lot of tourists and Lord knows we need the tourists for the economy and I'm not knocking the tourists and I'm not the world's best parker by any means. But if you're visiting somewhere you don't know, the appropriate place to leave your car is not a mile and a half from the curb. You need no. to get it a little bit close to the curb. Um, you need to be able to reverse down a country lane. There's no point just sitting and looking at other people. So after a week of it, I am putting bad parking and bad driving. Uh, that's going back to developmental for me. I live in um, a house that's four flats and we only have two parking spaces. So one of us has to park on the road, which is fine. And I have a pair so I park on the road, but there's not that many spaces. It's also a public pay and display parking or residence permit. And when I get there and people are parked so that like they're two a foot away from each other, if everyone moved up, there'd be a space for me. That really winds me up. Like, if everyone just squeezed up a little bit, I could get in the end. I wouldn't have to park a 10 minute walk from my house. So I can completely relate to that. Also, on your jab, as sore as your arm might be, the most painful part of that must have been 15 minutes talking about Spurs after the season. <laughs> it was, it was, I was wearing my Spurs shirt because I thought something easy, roll the, roll the shirt up um, to get the jab in. And I'm sitting there and there's one guy doing the vaccination, another guy checking me in. And the guy checking me in just looks at me and goes, you getting potched back then or not? And I thought, come on, like, just let me have my, but he was a lovely guy. Um, Let's put this season behind us, I think, yes. for us. What, yes. what, is, um, what is going back to developmental for you? So what's going back to developmental for me is when 
there's either poor continuity or something that doesn't make sense in television shows that completely takes it out of the show. And I'll give you the example. I've been watching um, a show called Real Detective on Netflix. I started this week and it's very, very, very good. Essentially, they have talking heads of real detectives remembering their biggest case and then they have actors acting out what they're saying because they kind of narrate it. It's brilliant. Really, really good. Recommend it to everyone. Except for, I was watching one episode this week that was set in 1985 and the detective, first of all, rolled in in a Chevrolet that was made in 2008. I Googled it. And then another detective jumped on a laptop and Googled something. And I was like, come on, guys. These aren't even little things that we've missed here. She's Googled something in 1985. It was a horrible murder case. They were giving these information. I was just so riled up and livid about Google. I wasn't even listening. Like when the detective got the murderer, I was annoyed. I was like, he's used Google to get that. It doesn't work. I was that's, livid. That's, that's like finding the suspect on LinkedIn. You just couldn't do it. Exactly. So that really, really annoyed because if you get little things now and again, it happens. But that's a massive thing. How's, how is no one at Netflix gone, lads? Don't think Google was around in 85. That really, really annoyed me this week, actually, to the point where a poor girlfriend was like, Charlie, it really doesn't matter, calm now. I was like, no, I'm really angry about this. I was lying in bed at like one o'clock in the morning, just staring at the ceiling, livid about it. Did she try and put it in the context of some poor person has lost their life and there you are talking about the Google? Exactly. She was like, there's yeah. more important things. I was like, there's not right now. I was like, there isn't. It, it's a bit like in soap operas um, when they send the kids upstairs to wash their hands. They don't come down until about three years later and they're not seen. Like they bring in the children because it's a dramatic story point and then think we've got nothing to do with these kids. God love you if you're a child actor. There's nothing worse than child actors. Just don't put them on my screen and they send them upstairs and then they come down. They they went up at 14. They come down and they're 21. They're completely yeah. different. It's it's. Yeah. I, I'm 100% with you on this. I really am. So yeah, that that's... Go back to developmental, do better, Netflix, please. Do better. You know how Netflix could do better? They could invest in a topical weekly wrestling talk show by two young up-and-coming media stars, I think would be the way to do it. Um, look, so uh, that sort of wraps us up. I suppose the final thought going going forward uh, to next week when we ch- talk, Charlie, are we going to be more excited about Monday Night Raw next Tuesday morning than we are now? Or, or is it a fake comparison because we're so high off double or nothing? I can't really imagine being less excited about WWE Raw right now, Monday Night Raw, but I don't think I'm going to be any more excited. I don't know what, I don't know what they could do. Like, there's not a single story like, oh, the only thing I'm slightly enjoying is Riddle and Orton as the unlikely couple because their, their videos make me laugh. But that's it. In three hours of Raw, there are about three minutes I enjoy. So... Yeah. I don't see how I could be less excited, but I don't see what they're going to do to make me more excited. Well, we shall see how it goes, folks. That's going to wrap us up for today. Remember, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you for doing that each and every week. We really appreciate it. Uh, get in touch, Jack underscore Merley, Charlie underscore Beckett, on whatever you hear. Earning the Push podcast at hotmail.com is for your lengthier emails. And next week, it's going to be good. We'll start fantasy booking the end of the universal title reign of Roman Reigns. But we are done. On behalf of Charlie and myself, thank you for listening and we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye.